What's going on, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Top Ends Talk. I'm your host, as always, Marcin Kazmarski, here with my co-host, Tim Kamarash. Say what's up, Tim. Hey, everybody. Tim, as always, at FootyKuji on Twitter. Yeah, so this is a special episode because we just hit a little bit over a uh, year mark of doing content with Top Ends Talk. So and, a little bit over a year now. And I, and I didn't get you... An anniversary present so i just hope you're not mad at me and I, I just hope we could work through this and get through this episode in a positive way i feel like that's something we should talk about after the podcast because i'm a little bit tight about it but we'll, we'll circle back to that yeah <laughs> we have a ton of cool stuff though to talk about today from different leagues to obviously city out to maybe a little boot talk at the end if we get some time oh so, yeah um so we have some exciting stuff to chat about and i think you had something you wanted to talk to me about Okay, so it's not as much something that I wanted to talk to him about as much as I just wanted to say that, you know, as far as all the things that have happened for 2020, the one thing I didn't anticipate on was Marson becoming a Leeds fan. I just I didn't think that was going to be a thing. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about it, but it is interesting in and of itself. So Marson, you know, Leeds have scored seven and conceded seven in two games. Yep. They're a madhouse to watch. So why don't why don't you just tell tell me well you already told me, but why don't you tell everybody why you love Leeds so much? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of reasons. Yes, Leeds Leeds 2020 is the <laughs> new slogan of the podcast. Um yeah, so it's it's a couple of reasons. Um one is if you haven't watched the docuseries on Amazon about Leeds, um definitely go watch it. It it takes them uh you have six episodes taking them through their uh, two years ago campaign in the championship, which they um, lost in the playoffs and didn't get promoted. And then there's a couple of like two episode like sneak peek of the, of last year where they did get promoted. And it's just awesome to watch kind of like the behind the scenes. And like when you watch these docuseries, like me personally, I get like attached to the players. I'm like, come on, you have to do this. You have to win, even though I already know the outcome. Like you have to do it. Like you have to score that goal, like banging that penalty, like get promoted. Let's go. Um, so yeah, watching that docu-series was just like eye-opening of like watching like behind the scenes of the club and like seeing the camaraderie and seeing like how awesome they are off the pitch. Um, but obviously a huge reason of that is the coach and how the coach has them play. So br- bring in, yeah, bring in Marcelo Bielsa is, is, was an awesome move on, on the, on the team's part. Um, and they kind of take you through how that happened and like them having a conversation and, and building up that talk with them, which is awesome to see. Um, but yeah, just the style of play that he has, it's just like, kind of like you mentioned, like they're scoring seven, they're conceding seven. Like even what, well, like over the weekend, uh, they, they won against full on four, three, but like when they're up, like they were, it was four, three and they're still trying to bag in goals. Like they were like, we're not sent back. Like this yeah. is not, this is not the way the team plays. Like we go full tilt 90 minutes trying to score goals. And I love that about them. Um, so yeah, it's just like the way that the team plays of just like this all out attacking football they give absolutely like they have no issue they don't care about defending they're like we're gonna bag in six goals i don't care and i I love watching it um and i'm not a huge epl guy as most people know i don't really watch epl but i will definitely be watching leads whenever i have a a spare moment with uh bielsa and like obviously they have a little polish connection there with mateusz klitsch 
um, yeah. who's my, what, a little Polish midfielder in, in the side. So I had to sh- shout out my homie. Um, so yeah, the combination of Polacks, of Leeds just being a baller team, and then just like the gung-ho mentality of Bielsa, just like, I love them. Yeah, 100%. Definitely love it. You know what was crazy? There was actually one of the commentators during the game, I don't know if you caught this, actually said, do you know what I'm going to, why yeah, don't you say I know, I know about, I know exactly what you're saying. Go for it. Yeah, so the commentator during the game. Wait, I mean, you, I, I've rambled enough. You, you say it. All right, all right. Well, I, I appreciate it. So, what? Long story short of it was essentially, they play that high press, hardcore game the entire ninety minutes, like Marcel was saying, and because of that, during the training, some of the players commented that they actually lost about five kilograms of weight <laughs> during the preseason. Which is nuts. That's for you know for anybody stateside. What is that? Right around ten to twelve pounds somewhere yeah, along there. Like a little bit over ten pounds. Yeah, that's nuts. Imagine just showing up to preseason and your coach is pushing you so hard that you're dropping ten pounds within the span of, you know, their their preseason was only probably around a couple weeks to a month, right? Because of this whole COVID thing. Yeah. So just imagine coming in from quarantine and just shock to your system. Your coach is pushing you full tilt right out of the gate what what's not to love about that that's awesome so there was a little funny scene in uh episode one of the second season of of the uh-huh. docuseries where the team was actually coming back from preseason they're doing like not like it's like a like test just to measure like their uh, body fat levels right and all of them were pu- pulling like like somewhat high numbers and they're like don't, don't show the coach this he's gonna rag <laughs> us like to the ground it was just so funny like because they already knew that they were gonna get like destroyed in in, in training so it was just right. super funny to watch <laughs> phenomenal so the real question it boils down to is where do we think they're going to finish so why don't the both of us just give it we can give it a, a number position wise or we could just say champions league europa league mid-table relegation i think that's that's probably the best way for us to phrase yeah, so where fair. do you think they're going to finish up so if it's anything to go by my fifa career mode which i have which, which <laughs> it I is in- not anything to go by your FIFA yeah, career mode. Right. well year three in leeds i have built a star-studded roster for anybody who who is interested um but regardless <laughs> um so yeah as much as i love the team let's let's be realistic here it's their first year back um i don't they don't have the obviously the star-studded power that like the top teams in the league have so i don't think mm-hmm. You're going to be seeing them play in the champ, like in the Champions League or even Europa League. I think that's a little bit too high for them at this point. I mean, hey, they could they could shock the hell out of me and, and pull a Leicester City move and just like destroy the season and, and wind up in one of those Europe's places. But I just mm-hmm. can't see it right now. Um, I say I think they will finish mid table. I don't think this is going to be like a one and done season where they just drop instantly back down. You, you mm-hmm. saw it with the Fulham with a, with the Fulham game. Uh, you saw it against Liverpool. They will attack you. They don't care who you are. They don't care if you're City. They don't care it's, if you're Liverpool. It's in their DNA at this point. It's, yeah, it's just how they're installed. They will go at it and they will score goals. And that's what we've seen. They can score goals against Liverpool, against Virgil Van Dijk, and they can score against Fulham, who, whoever their center backs were. Because I don't remember anymore. Um, so yeah, like I, I think mid table is where they're finished. That like anywhere from like I think eight to like twelve is like where that little like sweet spot right in the middle of that table where they'll finish. Um, so that's kind of what I'm expecting. Anything better, like, hey, kudos. But that's what I'm kind of realistically looking at right now. Okay. I think that they're going to run into a situation where they're going to actually exceed mid-table. But I think they're actually going to end up in a situation where they're going to end up with that qualifying Europa League spot where they have to play over the summer. So I think that's where they're going to end up. Kind of like what you said, they don't really have 
they have the work ethic. They don't really have the star power on the side just yet. But they have a lot of players who are developing and becoming better. And I think that throughout the competition, they're going to end up becoming a, a lot more of a threat than they currently are. So that's that's where I think they'll finish up. I think they'll get that qualifying Europa League spot and they'll have to play a couple games to get into it. But it'll be guaranteed revenue and they'll do a good job. And I really, I just the same way as you, I back Marcelo Bielsa. They, they're something else. He, he's a wonderful manager. And, so and that's they, everything. And they have some money now, they like sign, signing Rodrigo for, for 30 mil from Valencia. Like they're looking that's at it like, I mean, they're, they were linked with a, a bunch of big names like Thomas Party, like Rodrigo DePaul from Udinese, like, like big ballers, like players that yeah. can ball. So I'm curious what they do in these last like three weeks. Maybe they can pull out a huge move and maybe like those Europa League uh, aspirations are going to come true, which would be awesome to see. Imagine <laughs> next year Leeds in the Europa League, dude. That'd be awesome. So why don't you take another manager that we love in Carlo yep. Ancelotti? Yep. It's, what's not to love about him? Wonderful manager. Why don't you take? He's he's stirring up a little bit of something something over at Everton. Dude, yeah, that, that's another. So like this morning, th- those were the two games that I watched. So <laughs> once again, I'm not not a huge uh, EPL guy. Like I'm not gonna catch those games very often. But it's I watch. Not though, you right? Like you. you you can see it. You're get you're getting pulled in because of the coaches that they're bringing in here. It's working, right? Yeah, it's it's the coaches and 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 certain players. So like right. like Hamez is definitely a player I've really liked watching play over the years. Same thing with Richarlison. That's that's another guy um, that I've right. really liked watching play. So yeah, it's 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 a mixture of players and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so obviously this game today this morning just a joy to watch. Uh, Everton just kind of rolling out like rolling through this game. 5-2 end scoreline. James was crucial. Scored a goal, couple assists. Um, yeah, it's just great to see, like, like this kind of relationship that a coach has with a player. And everybody mm-hmm. knows that, hey, Ancelotti at Real kind of, like, broke Hamas through into, like, the spotlight and just really, like, pushed him to become, like, a star player. And mm-hmm. it's just crazy to see that, like, oh, like, he's had these, like, unfortunate, like, let's say two, two three years at Bayern. Like, the, the loan didn't really, like, work too much. Like, he wasn't starting week in and week out. Um, and then his time at Real, he just kind of like the fact that he was going to be on the bench, which is really unfortunate because he's, he's so much better than that. And then right. this year, he's just like, you know, I'm tired of sitting on the bench. Let me go somewhere that I have a coach that's going to back me, a coach that believes in my abilities. And he goes to Everton and first two games, like, I mean, he, he's balled out both games. He's played like top, like top notch football. And I, I think Everton are going to be a really interesting team to watch this year. Um, I mean, they they built a ridiculous squad, especially that midfield, and it's something we talked about right before the podcast, like we started recording. But that midfield trio of of Ducure, Allen, and and James is just like that's next level. Like that's a great mid, and that kind of builds that like solid foundation for the rest of the team. I mean, you you build off that midfield, and like like this this team's gonna this team's gonna do great things this year, I think. Yes, yeah, so I was talking about it not too not too long ago. And what I, from a coaching perspective, noticed is that when you have two guys like Alan and Diacore in that midfield, what you don't realize is that, you know, Hannes is a wonderful player and he's just a cherry on top in that midfield, right? He's the, he's typically the furthest forward. He's the one who's picking the passes, doing his thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're a playmaker, that's a midfield that you want to be in, right? Because Diacore and Alan they're going to do the dirty work in that midfield, right? And if you're a yep. coach, you're blessed to have both of them at the same time because what you what that frees you up to do essentially is you can go from a 
3-1 over to pretty much anything you want to do, right? You know, you can play a 4-3-3 and have either Diacore or, or Alan switching off on who's going to sit the deepest. You can still pull off a nice double pivot that way where they're switching, you know, in the case of possession or losing possession. You can even play, you know, a 4-4-2 where you push Hannes up more. You know, he's not the quickest player, but he's a great hold-up player. He knows what he's doing with his feet. So Everton, you're absolutely right. They managed to keep star players, you know, in the form of Richarlison. And they managed to add some serious quality, you know, in the interim. And now they have a serious squad and they have a serious coach. They're playing beautiful football. You know, they're a great side to watch. You know, I think it was Bill Shankly, the famous Liverpool coach, that said, if Everton were playing in my garden, I would close my window. You know, I, I would challenge anybody right now to close their window while they're watching that midfield trio knock the ball around, right? So definitely Everton aside to watch. The same way I think Leeds is going to get that qualifier Europa League spot, I think Everton are going to be a side that's going to take the, the automatic go through on the Europa League. Yeah, th- I think this season is definitely going to be a very interesting one for those Europa League spots because you have, obviously, you have the top four. You're going to have many, like, you have other teams that are going to try to, like, kind of, like, sneak back into into those positions like Everton, like like Arsenal. We'll see what, where they end up, where, where Tottenham end up, like, all these teams. Tottenham, uh, like, quick side note, bring Gareth Bale back. Huge move. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> huge, huge, huge. Yeah, I'm That's- so I'm I'm so pumped for Gareth Bale, like to leave Real Madrid after everything he's done for that club and how they treated him and like yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm super happy for the guy like coming back and we'll, we'll see what he does with with Mourinho as his coach. So look, I'm not trying to trash La Liga, but isn't this the second player now that we've seen? You know, remember when Arturo was leaving over at uh, he was leaving Barcelona and he went to Juve. When he went to Juve, Barcelona were all upset with him for not playing out you know, for the rest of the Champions League. And he said, no, forget you guys. You you know, you know, left me high and dry just so that you can move some money around. I'm not coming back. And the same thing, Gareth Bale was being treated real poorly by, you know, the Real Madrid management and the and the fans. So I just hope, I really just hope that both those guys set the, set the football world alight and have a wonderful season just so they could really stick it to both their former clubs. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something that we're going to keep an eye on. Uh, and speaking of players that we should keep an eye on, there's one more other guy that we kind of like. I wanted to kind of mix into this conversation of of James and players that are in a similar situation like him. Like they haven't had the greatest year, but they worked well under under a, a coach. And and what it would take to get them back to that like all star kind of like level, and that's Coutinho. Yes. So Coutinho, I think, balled out when he was at Liverpool, and then right. he's kind of been like. Went to Barcelona and it really didn't it didn't, didn't really pan out for him. Then he had his like loan move to to Bayern, um, which same thing. I mean, yeah, he he played some games, he had some great moments, but he it just didn't like click a hundred percent. out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that was a cool moment, I'm sure for him. He was probably like, hey, I don't care. Um, like you guys, you guys, you guys, you get you guys ditched me in my moment, like when I needed you guys, and like I don't care. Like I'm gonna pop goals in on you. Right. Um, so yeah, what what the, what do you think? Since you're a, a coach, um, what do you think that Coutinho needs from a coaching perspective, and or where does you think he, he needs to go to kind of bring it back to that that high caliber level of play that we know that we kind of expect from him? So, absolutely and unequivocally, Coutinho messed up going to Barcelona, and the reason he messed up going to Barcelona 
is because Jurgen Klopp was developing him into an absolute gem of a player, right? He had him playmaking. He had him making tackles in the midfield. He was actually pulling him further back into the mid as opposed to leaving him out on the left wing where, yeah, he had the agility, but he didn't really have the acceleration for that, right? Didn't have the top speed for that where we're seeing on these natural other wingers. Yeah. So he was pulling him back and developing him into this, you know, awesome playmaker. And he decided to up and leave because to be fair to him, Barcelona comes knocking, you're a South American player. That's that's a dream of yours. You're going to want to play there. And I, and I understand that. But the problem that comes is that Barcelona saw him, saw his highlight reels, and they said, we want him to play in that position on the left wing. And, you know, we'll play Suarez down the middle, Messi on the other side, and it'll work out great. What they didn't anticipate is that he doesn't work on that wing the same way that Neymar did, right? Neymar was wonderfully skilled he was moving players around he was creating space for others whereas Coutinho kind of operates on the wing the same way that Messi does where he has to be the focal point of the attack right so you have now somebody where you have he's pretty much I don't want to say useless if he's not the focal point but he's you're not going to get as much production out of him and he's also a confidence player right so when he went to Bayern and he was popping in goals left and right you notice that he was playing in the middle he was not playing on the wing. He was playing in the middle, and he was excelling at that attacking mid-roll. So realistically, are we going to get the best Coutinho there ever could have been? No, because the best Coutinho that ever could have been was with Jurgen Klopp and being developed by Jurgen Klopp to be a total footballer. He's not a total footballer, and I think he got found out when he went to Barca, and that's the reason that he was suffering. So realistically now, we need to look him. Uh, we need to look at him and get him and allow kind of two more I would say he's in the same position as Hannes where he needs midfielders that are going to do the work for him so he can shine up front kind of what he had at Bayern Bayern didn't opt to keep him because I don't think that was the ideal formation that they were going to continue with. I really think that they wanted to go back to playing a 4-3-3. And plus, you also had Thomas Muller, who was just ripping things up as well, just the same way that Levy was this season. So, you know, I for for Coutinho, it's just whatever team's going to let him be the focal point of that attack. I actually, for a hot minute, thought that Milan would be a nice destination for him. Because when you look at Milan's side, yeah, they have Ibrahimovic that is, you know, he's kind of teaching the teaching a lot of the other guys how to shoulder responsibility offensively. But Hakan is not the playmaker, the modern playmaker that you need. I'm not trying to hate on him. A lot of people hate on him. But he's not he doesn't have that explosiveness. And I actually thought that, you know, I ironically I think that going to Milan, you know, the competition for one of his childhood clubs in uh not childhood, but, but you know, in, in Inter. I think Milan would be a great destination for him because they would let him be the focal point of their attack. Uh, you know, and that's just kind of my take on the situation. That midfield needs a little bit more creativity. And you have a couple guys in uh, Benes Air and in Frank Kessie that are going to do the work for him. Mm-hmm. So that would be my shout for him to to get his career back on track. Yeah. To head I, over there. And I think also a big reason why he's not at Bayern right now is because Bayern saw the opportunity to sign Leroy Sané. And they were like... Yo, I, like, no, no offense to Coutinho, but Leroy Sané is a baller. He's a Ferrari, and you're gonna take that Ferrari. <laughs> that dude is that dude is fast. And quick, quick side note: 
that game yesterday was the Bayern versus Schalke was. You fun. had to figure out a way to get I, it I, in. <laughs> I had to, we were talking about Bayern. Like we were, we had to. I had to do it. Yeah. So eight nil against Schalke, ridiculous. Oh, um, I'm you excited. Know what that, you know what the reason for that is? It is. It isn't because of that front three. The reason of that is because Winston McKinney no longer plays for Schalke 04. Mm. So that's really why he went to Juve. Mm. So, so now Juve are just, are just going to lock it down defensively in, in Serie A and just roll with it. Winston McKinney's a pit bull in that midfield, man. He's not letting anything go. So I'm going I'm I'm to definitely... I mean, we've had some talks about the U.S. men's national team players before, so I'm, I'll definitely keep an eye on, on Winston McKinney. I'll, uh, I'll give my scouting report in a, in a couple months. <laughs> Fair um, yeah, but obviously going back to the EPL, I think there's one other kind of like club that we should kind of talk about a little bit when it comes to to transfers. And can uh, I say it? Yeah, you you can say it. It's uh, re- regards to today's game against uh, Crystal Palace, and everybody knows the team. It's Man United. Okay, and, I and- need. I know we don't do visuals for our podcast because everything is audio, but. I need a big breaking news bulletin thing, right? I need one of those that pops up. Breaking news at nine. Man United still sucks. <laughs> They're trash still. That squad got Tim's, so much Tim's been waiting to do that for like an hour and a half now. It's <laughs> got us so much talent in it still. And they're just dropping the ball left and right. How do you lose 3-1 to Palace of all teams I know they're a dark horse Premier League-wise where, you know, they, they take points from big clubs every once in a while. But come on, man. that's That side is bang average. There's no reason you should be yeah, losing. Yeah, Zaha was like, just put this team on my back. I got this. <laughs> Zaha went and shook Sir Alex Ferguson's hand and said, hey, thanks for the opportunity for me to be a captain somewhere else. Oh, uh, man. But, yeah, so c- kind of going back to, to Man United, um, kind of like exactly what you said. They have This team has so much talent. And I think this is another one of those topics where your your coaching expertise may be needed, uh, Mr. Mr. Tim. Um, but yeah, where do you think the issues lie with how this team is set up? I mean, they like you said, they have the talent. You have players like Paul Pogba, like Bruno Fernandez, like Martial, Rashford. They have the at- attacking talent. Where are they faltering right now when it comes to the the lineup, how it's set on on game day? Okay, I never thought I would say this, but let's look at Everton's midfield first. <laughs> never thought I'd say that. We talked about Everton's midfield where they had a creative, essentially number 10 in front of a six and an eight. For those who don't follow football, your six is your holding midfielder. Your eight is your box-to-box midfielder, right? And typically speaking, as a coach, you look for a player to have each of those. So, you know, Hannes would be the one that's the 10. You'd probably look to Diakore to be the one that's the eight. And you'd look to Allen to be the six. But in modern football, what needs to happen is your six and your eight need to be able to interchange, right? You still typically want your 10 to remain the 10 because you want your playmaker to be a little further up the pitch so you could get those passes off and make things happen. But you're holding midfielder and your box-to-box midfielder, depending on the situation, need to be able to change. Now here we bring in Man United's midfield. Here's the problem with Man United's midfield is you have the six in Scott Matalmanay, and then, ironically, the box-to-box midfielder and Pogba that wears the number six. So I'm sorry for the confusion ahead of time. But you have Pogba, who's a, who's a box-to-box midfielder, right? And Everton's midfield is working so beautifully because, depending on the situation, Alan understands that sometimes he's going to have to step ahead in the midfield. And Diakori understands that sometimes he's going to have to drop back. And one of them is going to have to move laterally, and one of them is going to have to move vertically. 
and they understand that and they move together and they're drilled properly in that. And that comes down to coaching, right? Recognizing situations as a player is helped by your coach explaining when you can do what you need to do and you take the creative liberties from there. The problem with Man United is one of two things is happening. Either A, Pogba is saying, I don't have to play defense because I'm the stud of this midfield, whereas Bruno Fernandes is the pinnacle number 10 in this situation, right? He's the one that stays the most forward. So now you have your box-to-box midfielder who's really more interested in staying forward, right? Now, in Paul Pogba's defense, I don't think that's the situation. What I really think is happening is that they're starting the game out in a 4-2-3-1, and Ali Gunnar Solskjaer is trying to explain to his team that when they're attacking, they're a 4-3-3, but I don't think he's giving them the right formula to get to that situation, right? So when they get caught on the break, it's now Scott Matamane, who, even though he's a young player learning the ropes as a holding mid, he's not developed enough to understand and read the game where he can block everything at once. Right? You look at Allen, and Allen will commit the professional foul every once in a while. He'll do whatever he needs to do to stop the counter, whereas Matamane is trying to build a clean reputation for himself. Compound that with fans getting on Pogba's back about it, you and I both know Pogba is not somebody that you can side to a holding midfield role. He is somebody that you have to play in that box-to-box role because he influences the game. Just the same way that Coutinho couldn't function at the same time with Messi on the pitch, you have in a situation, I find, where Pogba can't function at the same time as Bruno Fernandes because Bruno Fernandes is that 4-2-3-1. He's a 10. He doesn't have any interest in doing anything else besides being a 10. And Pogba is that box-to-box where he says, I want to have the ability to play not necessarily the final pass, but I want to set up the opportunities, right? So Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, this boils down to him not properly using his pieces, right? Yep. If you're properly using your pieces, you would understand that this isn't working out for us defensively. We're not creating chances. For somebody who stays up the pitch and doesn't do a lot of tackling, Bruno Fernandez left Anthony Martial exposed by himself for most of the game. Anytime a ball was played in behind, Marcial was by himself, and Fernandez was kind of jogging around the pitch, right? Yeah. So the same way we were talking about Coutinho being found out at Barca, I think Bruno Fernandez is going to get found out in his second season for not contributing as much as everybody thinks he does. And I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is also going to be on his way out this season. And I think we're going to find that Puchettino is going to get pulled in for that Manchester United job to sort things out for everybody and get that team to the next level where they need to be. I think I think I 100% agree with what you're saying about Ole not really having but I don't I don't know if it's called the right mind to kind of get it, like the pieces set up but he, he's he's obviously not doing it correctly. And I mean you can kind of look at how Pogba was utilized at Juve, not to obviously talk about Juve. Humble brag, keep keep humble. humble. Yeah, humble brag. <laughs> but Regardless, you look at who he had in that midfield playing around him. You had Vidal, who was just the box-to-box workhorse of that. Like, he was doing everything in that midfield. You have Marquisio, who kind of do essentially the same role. He was a very box-to-box-esque midfielder where he could play defensively. He could play offensively and and chip in some goals and and chip in some tackles. And then you had a dictator of the whole tempo, which was Andrea Pirlo. And Pogba's role in that midfield was, hey, you're our number 10. He he wore the number 10 in his last season. And you have the keys to the offense. Like, we want to, like, obviously, Pirlo sets the tempo, but when that ball gets to that final third or it's getting to that final third area, 
we're relying on you to use your creativity and 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 set up those chances. And kind of to your point exactly, like Pogba's not doing that right now. He's sitting further back to pitch, and I feel like this is something that a lot of people have already noticed: is Pogba plays so far back that it doesn't make sense for him. And kind of like you said, I think it is a little bit of, of Pogba going like, I kind of want to create more. I want to be further up the pitch, and I feel right. like I should be the ten. And I feel like that's that's I feel like me personally, like I know obviously we differ a little bit on this one, but I feel like it is a little bit of public being like, I should be setting up those chances. I want to be scoring those those goals up at the top of the box. Like that should be me up there. And he's right. kind of just like, I don't really want to do like defensive dirty work, you know? Like I don't I don't think he's the type he's that type of player. So that that's where I, I stand with that. I, I think I a hundred percent agree with you. I think Ole's gonna be out at some point. I, I especially if these results keep holding. Um I just I just can't see it that Man United are going to be like this contender team that everybody was kind of thinking that they were because it, it let's be let's be real here they're not they're not challenging Man City they're not challenging Liverpool the for captain's the captain's getting in fights in Mykonos or wherever he was in Greece yeah like I don't think they can even challenge Chelsea to right now to be honest I think that squad's think so, so much better now so no. I, I I think they are gonna have a hard time reaching the top four this year let alone top six if they keep this kind of stuff up but um, Ole definitely has to kind of recognize what he's doing with that midfield because, I mean, you said it perfectly. Like Everton have it set up like the way you want it to be. And Ancelotti, I think, is a miles better coach than Ole. And he, he kind of gets it. He's like, hey, I've done this before. Like, I know how to set up my mid. And this is how we're going to do it. And I'm going to get these results with this mid. And Ole's right. like, hey, let's just put these pieces wherever we think they're going to play. And let's have them at it. Like, nah, it's not going to work here. Ah, yeah. Well, enough bragging on Manchester United, uh, which is... It's so hard to stop uh, considering. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, as we move away from Ragnarok on Man United, let's move into our favorite topic and what started this whole podcast. Let's move into CDI, which started today, Saturday the 19th. And two games played, so not a lot to talk about. Uh, but why don't you take it from there? Sure. So, yeah, the, the league kind of kicks off. We had uh, two matches, um, Fiorentina and Torino and Verona and Roma. So, uh, Fiorentina game, nothing really, like, too crazy, um, in my opinion. Uh, Castrovelli scored the one, one goal late on within the last, 12, like, 12 minutes from from the end of time. I, I caught a little bit of that game. Uh, it, it just wasn't, like... It was. It wasn't. It wasn't like the Leeds or like the Everton games where it was just like offense on offense. It was kind of like a cagey game, and it yeah. just wasn't like you know it wasn't like the most attractive game to watch. But I mean, I watched some of it. Like, were some really nice like link up play. Like Chiesa was doing some couple little bits bits and bobs on the right side, which was a little bit weird because he was actually playing more as like a wing back role than like oh, as like right. a winger, which really kind of threw me off because I was like, why is Chiesa should not be playing? They realized he was overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole nother topic. Bag of worms. Yeah, we, we, can, we can rag about that for a while. But regardless, still, like, let's be honest here. Like, Chiesa shouldn't be a wingback. Like, him, him playing and having defensive responsibilities is, is nowhere near what he should be doing. He's let's, like, He has some creativity, if we like him or not. But the, the kid's creative enough to, to warrant playing as, like, either a winger or really closer to, like, the goal like area. Like, you need him setting up chances. You need him creating for the rest of the team. And like that, that position was just so off. It was just really weird having him sit on like the right side of the uh, of the of the formation. It just really threw me off. Um, and yeah, Torino weren't like great moving forward. I think they had like a total of three shots in the match, so it just wasn't wasn't the best game. Um, so that that's really it from from Torino Fiorentina. Like 
curious to watch a little bit more of them a little bit over the course of the season, see if Fiorentina can improve and, and fight for those Europa League spots. Uh, but I'm more curious to hear your thoughts, since you are a Roma fan and Roma did play their first match of the season today. Uh, what were your thoughts and impressions from uh, Fonseca's first match of this year? All right, well, first things first, the score, as everybody would know, Verona nil, Roma nil, and that is what it is. I'm not too thrilled about that. But I'm not freaking out the way most of the Romaverse is freaking out right now. Most of the Romaverse is beyond disgusted with how our team played because we didn't take chances that we were developing. Now, this was Pedro's first game in Roma colors, and I thought he did great. I thought there were a couple instances where, you know, maybe he tried it being a little too fancy. I lost track of the amount of back heels that he did and flicks that he did, but that's just his style. And I, if he's going to play on my team, I, ac- I accept that. What was unexpected, but obviously due to this whole Zeko to Juve situation that's been developing, is that Henrik Mkhitaryan ended up being the starting forward for the team, right? And behind him was Lorenzo Pellegrini and Pedro, which that's a cool three to have on the pitch, but none of those guys are really deadly goal scorers, right? Like, you don't think of poacher when you hear any of that, and that's exactly what the team was missing, you know? And the other piece of it is, did I expect Brian Cristante to be starting at center back in the back three at the beginning of the season for us? Uh, absolutely not. That is not what I expected. But we did sign, shout out to my countrymen, the young Albanian center back in Kambula, who had an excellent season at Roma. But uh, <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because it's early days for us at Roma, and we still need to sign a forward. So that's where that whole Milik is happening, which I don't know if you heard about it, but Roma are asking for five mil to be knocked off of the asking price because Napoli keep dragging out the negotiations. So, fair play. I think that's not unreasonable. That said, team really just missed the forward today. I think they played excellent defensively. There were a couple instances where we got pulled apart. I also didn't expect for Mirante to be starting goalkeeper at the age of, like, what, 38? Uh, at the start of the season, yep. as opposed to Paolo Lopez. And I think I'm going to just kind of be adventurous here. I think Paolo Lopez is going to just be the latest victim of us trying to find the next Allison Becker and us trying to, you know, overemphasize on the goalkeeping uh, portion of our team. So from a perspective of a fan, it's a little frustrating that we couldn't take Verona out in the first game of the season. But from a tactic standpoint, the team looked great. They flowed well in the midfield. You know, it was a little upsetting with Diawara. I don't think he played the best that he usually does. But, again, early days in the season. But right now, I don't have any hair on fire for the team, which, as a Roma fan, that is not something that I can say very often. <laughs> yeah, so, like, since we talked a little bit about Roma and a couple other teams in the league, um, minimal games obviously happened. I th- I want to do what we did last year. when okay. one of our, either I think it was either our first or second episode where we did a quick little prediction about the season. And I ended up making fun of you half the year because of your predictions, which is kind of what I'm expecting this year. Cause I have a sense. I have already a quick sense that your top four is going to be different than my top four. Um, <laughs> but what gives you that idea? Nah, nah, cause I, cause I know you love to push my buttons. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah, what we did last year, if you didn't listen to our original like episode one of Top Ends Talk, which is I'm sure sounds a hell of a lot different than episode thirty or whatever we're on now. There's an intro song now. It's not yeah, there's an intro song, and we have better mics. But what we did last year was we did top four, so a quick prediction of a top four, and we did top scorer. So I'm not gonna mention who won the top scorer, but and then who won. Why don't you want to mention? But, but why don't you want to mention? We're one for one. We're yeah, one we for one. We tied. We tied. Give you cookie, got you cookie. We're even. We're yeah, even. We are, we are even. So yeah, <laughs> I predicted. I predicted the top four, and Tim got the top scorer last year. So we're gonna do the same thing this year, just a little fun, just so we can kind of rag on each other for the next eight months. Uh, Tim, I'm gonna have you start with your prediction for the top four of Serie A. Okay. So the top four for Serie A. You heard it here first. This is how the league is gonna end. Inter are gonna be number one. Juve are going to finish second, Roma are going to finish third, and Milan are going to finish fourth. Hot takes all around. <laughs> a that's, a, that's too many hot takes for this that's podcast. Too many, that's too many hot takes. Might want to turn my mic down. It's kind of on fire right now. But Inter, made a, you know, Inter might not have made a million moves this summer, but they brought in Kolarov, and I know it sounds corny because I, I am a Kolarov fan, he is a leader in the dressing room, and he's somebody that gets the most out of the people that he plays with. And if you look at the team last year, I genuinely believe that they really lacked that leadership, and that's why they fell short of the mark. They didn't really have anybody on the pitch to pull them together after they conceded. And, you know, I understand that Roma's defensive record wasn't the best last season, but Roma's defense was a revolving door last season. Now he's going to be playing in a situation where it's consistently you know, most of the starters. And they also got rid of Godin, which no offense to Godin, but he was well past his prime. And if you were going to be, you know, if you were going to be a, a competitive team, just don't think that he's really at that level anymore. Whereas with Kolarov, I do believe that if you're going to play a back three, he actually does nowadays line up properly as a left-sided center back because of his passing range. The guy can ping a ball 60 yards with no problem, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, the, that's my take on it. And that's the reason I think Inter are going to go first. And Juve, I don't... So the reason I put Juve at second is not because of anything that they've done per se, but I just think that they're actually... They're in a building phase, I feel. They're kind of new coach, new, you know, kind of new player profile, I almost want to say. It seems like they're investing younger, aside from Zeko. Uh, you know, and so that's kind of what... That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting from them, is that they've recognized that they've become a little stagnant as a team. At Juve with the with the players that they've been moving, which I know you'd agree with me. Hats off to the management team at Juve for moving the amount of players that they did, which is like super impressive during this window. Um, but that's the reason I want them. Roma third because I'm a romantic and I have high hopes, and Milan fourth because I don't know they just seem a different team to me this year. So clearly I have the most logic on all of my decisions, and I'm gonna turn it over to you for your top four. Yeah, I guarantee you I'm going to win this top four again this year. <laughs> hot, hot take right out of the gate. All right, so I'm, yeah, I'm going Juve 1. Like that's, that's I'll, get, I'll get into that in, in a second. I do have a little bit of a hot take at 2. I'm going Atalanta at 2. Ooh. That, that, is, that is my move. That's a I hot will, take. I will go with Inter Merda at number 3. Um, okay. That is my, my third spot. And I actually will agree with you. I am going to go with Milan at 4. As a hot take, also. 
So no Roma in the top four? No, no Roma. No Roma or no Lazio. Hey, I could have put Lazio in that top four. That's also true. But we have this thing that we do, and it's I don't think it's in, on purpose, but we, like, really low-key kind of also support each other's clubs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if Juve's on, like, I'll be like, all right, cool. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll pull for Juve because, like, I want to see my friend happy. Like, you know, yeah. and if Roma are on, you'll you'll give them a watch and be like, ah, cool. You know, they only conceded three goals today. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, they only they only lost three two in today's game. Yeah, yeah. Like, head off Tim next week. <laughs> next week, maybe. <laughs> oh my God! All right, hold on. But before before we get into more uh, before we get into more ranting. All right, next one. Before we get into more ranting, let me give you the quick rundown of why i picked my top four the way i did juve like yeah you say it's a rebuilding phase i don't agree they have ronaldo on this team they're they're gunning to win it they're going for okay. everything as as long as this guy's on the team i can't say that they're in a rebuilding phase um yes their pro- player profile has changed bringing in younger more creative players like artur I, i'm really hyped for him i think he's going to be the signing of of, of the season for, for juve okay um, that that's definitely going to be a guy that i'm going to watch relentlessly all year um but i just think peter Lowe and and you kind of get this vibe off the team that like they're buying into his ideas they, they understand what he's saying they kind of they respect the guy who's, who's leading them and i felt like that wasn't there last year even though yeah the team won the scudetto pretty easily let's say with what two three rounds to go i, I just think like you saw with, with how i i even mentioned a tweet about it a couple of days ago you saw with with sadi's like departure tweet or like announcement from the official yeah. page it was just like thanks later it, that that's basically yeah. what it was it was like yeah. we, we think my dad <laughs> bye that, that's basically what it was so you saw that there was some kind of like lack not lack of respect but the understanding wasn't there and i think with pirlo coming in i think they get it i think they understand what he's trying to say i think they get what he's trying to do and i, I mean it's yeah i i watched what one friendly they played against uh, uh novara which isn't a great opponent, but like the, how the team was moving the ball, you, you saw what the ideas that Pirlo was trying to bring in, and the team was executing them. So I, I don't think this is going to be a rebuilding year. I think Juve is just is obviously like the expectation is the expectation, like win everything. Uh, I think Serie A, I think they will get it. I think obviously Coppa Italia is, is at, at the tail end of that competition is, is a coin flip. And obviously the Champions League, same thing. It's You need um, some, some good matches and all that kind of stuff to kind of go your way. Uh, Atalanta, I'm going at number two. I have uh, just a lot of high hopes for this team. I mean, the highest scoring team in Serie A last year, just kind of blowing teams away. And I just like the the small kind of like subtle moves that they made, uh, bringing in somebody like Miran Shuk from Lokomotiv. I think that's a guy that's just going to really like excel in that system. Um, some small guy, like some not small guys, but like lesser known players like Piccini and like Christian, and uh, Romero that was loaned from Juve. And I think these guys just fit the profile of what Gasparini's trying to do um, at, at Atalanta. I think they fit his system, and I think these they're they're replacing these players and just bringing new guys that just fit the mold, just fit the mold, just fit the mold. And that's what I'm kind of kind of hoping that they're gonna just continue building these like quality younger talents and just like working their way up. So yeah, and obviously Duvan Zapata not missing time is going to be big for them this year. So I'm going Atalanta at two. Yeah, Inter Merda at three. Um, pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, the team was, was solid last year. They they kind of kept up with Juve. Um, 
but yeah, I, I just don't see it. I just think with Antonio Conte, I just, I just can't see him getting over the line, over the threshold. They signed Kolarov. Yeah, you love the guy, but yeah, he's he's getting up there, so he's he's not a spring chicken anymore. The the guy can get beat for pace. Uh, he's not the quickest dude on the block anymore. And the only other really big signing that I can kind of think of was Hakimi that they brought in from from Real Madrid. So not a huge signing. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like it's that's the only other signing I can think that they made. So I mean. It, does Hakimi and Kolarov like bring him over the top to take to topple Juve? I I can't see it. So that's that's why I'm leaving them at three. I will give you Milan though at four, and and it, it's close. Like it was between them or Lazio because let, let's be real. Lazio have Luis Alberto. They have last year's top scorer in Chiro Immobile. Um, that team set up great, but I, I think there was a different Milan since Ibra came in, and you saw they were the best team post COVID in Serie A. They won the most points, and I think. Ibra coming in kind of just sparked up that hunger. Like, hey, we have this guy who's like literally a living legend of the game. Serial Yeah. He, he's won everywhere. And I feel like all the younger players were like, hey, we need to kind of like step up our game. Like, we played for AC Milan, one of like the biggest clubs in the world. And Slapton came. Getting outplayed by a 38-year-old. Yeah, we're getting outplayed by this 38-year-old. Like, we can't have that. So I, I, I feel like Milan are going to kind of like sneak in there. So I'm, I'm looking at them to, to finish four. And that's my top four. And those are the reasons why. Hot takes all around. <laughs> a lot of hot takes. A lot of hot takes. All right. Hit me real quick. No explanation. Just tell me who's going to win top goal scorer. This year, Ronaldo. Okay. And we're not going to give any explanation to either of our picks. Nope. And I'm going to say top goal scorer this year is going to be Edin Zeko for Juve. And we're not gonna make we're not gonna give any explanations. You don't get an explanation. You can ask us on Twitter, and maybe if Marcin's feeling generous, he'll explain both of our picks. And so I don't have to explain anything. And maybe we could do it like that. But aside from that, we're done with this topic. It's over. We're finished. Kaput. Okay, we have one more thing I kind of want to talk about before we wrap up. So let's not wrap up yet. I have one more thing I want to talk about. Okay. And it's my boy. It's my boy. We want. I want to get a little boot talk in before we end. <laughs> Well, we have to. We like after boot camp. We haven't really done a lot of boot talk on the podcast. I know. So we we got to bring boot boot a little boot talk onto the podcast again, and we got to talk about. Well, at least my boy. I know. I don't know how you feel about Nene, but Neymar's move from Nike to Puma. And I want to first. I want to get your initial thoughts on the move, of course. Okay. So I really didn't think that the biggest transfer talking point of the summer was going to be on a boot brand switch. It was, you know, he that kind of superseded. If you look at the hype, it it superseded pretty much any other transfer that happened. I'm excluding anything Messi-related because he ended up staying for the season with Barca. So yep. there was no real transfer there. So as far as completed things go, Neymar to Puma is pretty big. He was with Nike for over 10 years. Yep. He was their, he was their guy for the Hypervenom line. And so I think his move to Puma is a good move all around. I think it's a good move all around because Nike haven't exactly been doing them any favors as far as signature boots go. And also, Nike have been giving Cristiano Ronaldo a lot of his great signature boots, and and he's been their go-to poster boy. And I think Neymar did a great job of realizing that after, after Ronaldo leaves... It's not going to be him. It's going to be Kylian Mbappe that's going to be the next poster boy for Nike. And he already is. He has that he has 
had two excellent colorways that have come out for him, right? Yeah, they're awesome. And Marcin owns one. <laughs> I do. And so uh, I think Neymar saw an opportunity at Puma because, I mean, Puma have Anton Griezmann. I mean, blah right now. After his move to Barca, it really hasn't worked out for him. Yeah. And they have Rom, but Rom has been trying out every boot under the sun during training this summer. So I don't think they're going to end up keeping him. So I think it was a good move all around because Neymar now becomes the face of Puma and Puma now have a superstar athlete, you know, and everybody kind of gets what they want. So I think it's a good move all around. I don't see, I don't really see anything negative that can come of this. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, kind of, kind of to your point. Yeah. Like you, you said, you said you mentioned Kylian Mbappe, but you forgot to mention one other guy that got a signature callaway over the summer. And that was Jaden Sancho. Oh uh, yeah, I totally yeah. So Sancho, Sancho even got his own like limited edition line, um, which and which they're sick. Yeah, <laughs> they're sick. I actually do really like them. Some people are gonna call them like like teenage boot because they have all this hype like stuff that on them. I call them a teenage boot. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. That's why. I, that's why I said that phrase because because if, if anybody that, that's listening for the first time, Tim is definitely the old grandpa of the podcast. Yeah, I'm wearing black boots right now to break in while we're doing this podcast. <laughs> I know. Uh, Puma Kings, actually. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how all this works out in the end. Um, but yeah, kind of to your point, I, I don't, I don't see any issue with like kind of exactly what you said. Puma get their highlight athlete, their their top star. Um, they're gonna do whatever they can to keep Neymar happy. I'm sure he got a ton of money. Like, let's be wow. real here. He, he yeah. they probably unloaded the truck for him. He um, got a cool Puma statue. Yeah, a gold Puma statue is in is in his backyard right now. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a cool move, especially because I don't think we've we've seen Puma have like this kind of like high caliber athlete as like their main sponsor. I mean, I we had what? we had Marco Royce, who was who's kind of big, but like he was a he's a great cover, like like first athlete you had. Uh, like you mentioned, Antoine Griez- Aguero. To be fair, Aguero Griezmann, I think was the last like bigger, but like like you said, since his move to Barcelona, it's kind of like eh, fizzled out. Um, so it's cool to like for Puma to have the, this top tier athlete. But what I want to ask you is, do you think, obviously, you, you switch brands, awesome, great for everybody, great for Nea, right, great right. for Puma, but he got put into, not the Ultra, which is the new speed line, he got put into the Puma Kings, which is like their traditional old school kind of like leather boot, which is what you're wearing right now. Um, <laughs> it's just funny how that worked out. I completely... I, yeah, and this wasn't planned. Just so you guys know, we actually hit up a, a group chat of a couple friends of ours, and we said, hey, what do you guys think we should mention? And one of our friends actually... Yuli Torres, shout out. Yuli had actually said, yeah, nobody's really talking about this whole Neymar deal, and it's been a really big deal in the boot culture. And so, yeah, it's actually funny that I'm wearing these. I just got them in the mail today, and (laughs) he brought that up. Yeah, but um, do you think it was a mistake for Puma? Like, in in terms of, like, the one mistake they might have made with this move, do you think it was a wrong move to put him into the Puma Kings instead of like trying like for the brand to hype up the ultra, which is their new speed boot. So I don't think it was a mistake and I'll tell you why. The reason I don't think it's a mistake is because their signing of Neymar was completely contingent on his ego for more or less. It was contingent on his ego, right? Nike was already making signature boots for him. They were already paying him. Puma might've offered him more money. Yes. But the point that I'm making is if you're approaching Neymar and you say, hey, we want you to wear a speed boot, he's going to go, all right, cool. Who else is wearing your speed boot? And then you're going to name all these players under the sun that are wearing the ultra now. 
if you look at it and you go, hey, Neymar, we want you to be the king of our brand. Oh, the king of our brand. That sounds good, right? You know, that sounds a lot more appealing than being just a, a signature athlete. Oh, and by the way, we'll make you a cool black and white colorway straight out of the gate. So, oh, all right. Well, are you going to let me customize it however I want? Sure, no problem. All right. Now he's wearing a modded pair of Puma Kings, and he's get it's a still a modern one-piece upper. And I think that if you look at the way he used to wear boots with Nike, he was wearing the AG plate a lot more often than not for uh, for Nike. And that AG plate is all conical studs. And Puma, of course, have hooked him up with conical studs. So the point that I'm making out of this whole thing is that I don't think it was a mistake because A, they appeared to his ego when it came to marking him as the king of the brand, right? Because that was the whole thing. It was the return of the king. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching Pele. I grew up watching this. You know, that that's my point of, of the whole situation is that I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was a a marketing masterclass really out of Puma. And also I don't think Neymar suffers from it at all because the Puma King is a comfortable boot and it supports his play style. You know, he has the conical studs on it. It's leather great for touch. A lot of people forget that Neymar's game isn't necessarily about pace. His game is about agility and beating out the player. And these are boots that I think are just going to suit him all around. So I don't think it was a mistake for him to go King. I think there was a lot of clout around the ultra already and if Big Rom is already looking at a couple different brands and maybe not sticking with Puma, where's the harm in you know and and locking down a big name for that silo? Yeah, I think um, I think this is going to be very interesting for me to watch because I, I do like Neymar and his play style. I'm just really curious of like obviously we we know Neymar is like a flashy kind of like he he's he's a skiller he, he's a flashy kind of dude. Right. Um, so I'm curious how Puma are going to do his signature colorways moving forward. Cause obviously the King is more of like, it's, it's supposed to be more like a subdued, like classic leather boot. Kind of like you said, right? Like a modernized. It, yeah. They don't, they don't really do flashy colorways on the King. So are they going to now start doing these, like these Brazil themed, like Puma Kings? Like imagine that that'd be like, well, that'd be cool. You know, if like, I could point, if I could point out, and this wasn't on our, on our topic shit at all, but actually now that you bring it up, I just thought about it. Luca Digne has a custom pair of cleats that Puma make him. And it's a custom colorway. And if Luca Digne can get a custom colorway of a, of a boot, I mean, sky's the limit for what they're going to do for Neymar, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. They're like those baby blue ones, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Cool. But yeah, I'm curious to see like the, those those custom like special edition like Neymar, like Puma Kings that come out at some point because you know they're going to drop them. And I, I'm just like picturing like this like Brazil themed like colorway boot already in my head. I'm like, and I'm gonna be the first guy to be like, you know what? I don't want any Puma Kings. I don't want any Puma Kings. And then I see those, I'm gonna be like, I just bought a pair of Puma Kings. <laughs> <laughs> well, you actually had an idea where you noticed, and you know, Nike just went back to three silos now, right? Because they have mm-hmm. the Tiempo, the Mercurial, and they have the uh, the GT that's not exactly doing well. But anyway, I already returned mine. I already returned his. So you're actually making the case where you think that they're going to make a silo specifically for them that maybe that might be in the future. That Right now they're marketing the, the daylights out of the king, but eventually that you believe that they're going to make a silo just for him. Yeah, so that, that's kind of like something we talked about like briefly right before the podcast started. And I, I can see how that tracks, you know, like the, the future and the one are like the, the two main silos that, that Puma have. And then obviously the king is right now what they're doing for Neymar. But I can definitely see right. them dropping kind of like 
not like a speed boot, but maybe like a speed kind of control boot, kind of like what the Phantom Vision was to Nike, where it was like, it was a control boot, but they had some speed boot elements kind of built into it, you know? And I can kind of see Puma doing like a little bit of a collab of those two types of boots and just coming up with something for Neymar. Obviously, I don't know what, it, what it'll be called or anything like that. That's up to Puma. I don't work for them, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't work for them. But I, I can definitely see them dropping a fourth silo and bring in some kind of like some kind of boots just for Neymar at some point. Obviously, the the this is a great way for people to get people, uh, for Puma to get people into the brand instead of in terms of bringing him with the King and having all this hype behind, having the, this huge cover athlete like cover athlete with the Puma Kings. But right. I think at some point they'll kind of like double down on their on their clout on their hype and just release this new boot and be like, hey, Neymar's the new poster child. This new boot, uh, I right. can definitely see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I really don't see why not. I think you got a good point on that. And, you know, like we said, good move all around for everybody. So this whole Neymar to Puma thing is kind of exciting. I think Puma is a great brand, and this might actually propel them over Nike or Adidas at some capacity in the near future if Nike and Adidas keep dropping the ball on several of their pairs. So you never know what will happen. But that covers Neymar for us. I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to talk about. Uh, we are going to do top ins talk, content talk. And that's going to be a new piece at the end of our episode that, you know, if you enjoyed listening through the whole episode, we're actually going to throw a couple of different content, whether it be, you know, whether it be boot related, whether it be clothing brand related, whether it be another podcast, maybe just things that we enjoy that maybe you might enjoy as well. So I'll go first. And we got to give a shout out, as always, to one of the many football cults that we're a part of, which is the Boot Society. So it's at Instagram, or rather it's on Instagram. It's at the official Boot Society is the tag. And it's just actually, we're like I said, we're a part of it. And what it is is really just a bunch of, you know, cleat heads sharing their own pictures of original content of, you know, just boots that we love and, you know, our takes on them. Ricky from our group actually did a couple of quick fire reviews on Instagram via post, which is really helpful for a lot of people. So if you're somebody who's into boots, if you're somebody who's you know trying to get a more in-depth analysis, Andrew, of course, a great friend of of Marcin and I, and he writes excellent articles. You know, our boot man in Japan, as he likes to refer to himself. Yeah. So again, on Instagram at the official boot society, give him a follow, and I will throw it over to Marcin for his favorite. Yeah, so I uh, I definitely want to give a shout out to um, Live Breathe Football. Um, they're a, a clothing brand that's based in the U.S. in Philly. Um, we had the owner of the company, Ibun, on on one of our episodes. I think it was our the guy. He's a great cleat head. Yeah, he's a great cleat head. I, I chat with him all the time. He actually texted me this morning. He's like, "Hey, which boots?" He sent me a photo of six boots. He's like, "Hey, which boots do I wear today for <laughs> my first match?" And I, I told him I was like, "Dude, you got to go see our seven safaris. Like, well, you you have to bust those out." Oh, I told him X. I told him X eighteen plus. He went safaris, so uh, I I feel like I win. I win on that one. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of what he does with the brand, it's just just awesome clothing and apparel. It's all original ideas from him. Um, like yeah, you can you can check out his story on their page. It's 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 tagged in my Instagram and I think on my Twitter. So the the official like account is it's at Livebury Football. Um, but yeah, t-shirts like their their pants in terms of if you want something different than Adidas pants, like they're they're a little more clout. You want a little, little bit more clout. clout. They are the comfiest things I've ever worn. I'm rocking one of their hoodies right now as we're recording this. Like just such comfortable material. Like 
like best clothing brand. You do not need to spend money on Nike and Adidas when people make like stuff like this. Trust me. Um, I will, I will vouch for it till the day I die. Uh, but yeah, just a huge shout out to them. They've, they've been awesome. Like guys, guys for real, one of the best dudes I, I've met in, in terms of the football community. So huge shout out to them right now. Okay. And before we close out, I'm going to give a shout out to two podcasts, actually. Okay. okay so the two podcasts I'm going to give a shout out to. One of them, our buddy Matt over at Posts and Pints. They do a lot of MLS work. MLS, to be totally transparent, not a league that Marcin and I follow. We're not really crazy about it. But if you do want to learn more about the MLS, if you are somebody who does follow soccer, football, stateside, they're a great podcast to follow. They're really passionate. It is a group of guys that do it. Big fan of theirs. As well, I will always shout out my dear friend, the Distant Loopy on on twitter uh, as well as you know actually i don't even think i follow him on instagram but you know, munir is a great guy he's <laughs> to be I, I don't know what his instagram is i actually i gotta I, i'm gonna tell him to listen to this and i'm gonna tell him to be like yeah man you know you gotta you gotta give me that but anyway he's All always right. in there he's a huge roma supporter and he's very you know very well spoken when it comes to subjects about the club you know i'll go on forever about tactics but he really eats, sleeps, and breathes the Giallo Rossi. And that's that's what I really enjoy about him. You can hear the passion when he talks about it. So just two podcasts, totally different realms. One MLS, one Roma that I support. And, you know, next episode, we might give you a couple different ones. And we're just going to continue this segment. But for right now, I'm going to throw it over to Marcin to close this out because I'm done talking. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna have you um, <laughs> sign us off first, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up for, for the rest of us. Okay, and then for anybody who hasn't listened to our episodes before, I sign off first because I screw it up every time. So I'm signing off. Tim Camraj, your host, as always, at FootyKuji on Twitter. Follow me. Let me know if you need anything football-related or if you just want somebody to talk to. I'm always happy to talk. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to do the, the official Top Ends the, Talk sign-off. The sign proper sign-off. The proper sign-off. So obviously, uh, follow us on Spotify and iTunes at Top Ends Talk. If you want to catch up on any episodes there, all of them are there, all almost 30 episodes. Um, so you can you can spend the whole day there if you want to listen to everything. <laughs> um, follow us on our Twitter page at underscore at Top Ends Talk. Uh, you can follow me personally at PL Juventino on Twitter. Um, you can even follow us at, at Top Ends Talk on our Instagram. We do post some content there as well. Um, obviously, so always want to say thank you to everybody who's listened to the episode. I appreciate the listens, the follows, uh, all the reshares re and um yeah, for, for me and Tim both, just really thankful for the last year of content creation, all the support we've seen from everybody, um, from the smaller pages to people that have tons of followers. We, we appreciate every single bit of support we get from everybody. So uh, sincerely from both of us, we, we thank you. And I think year two is going to be uh, even better than year one in terms of, of what, what Top Ends is going to do. Uh, and on that note, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace.